I've entitled this message, um, as you know, the Gospel of God. Let's get it up there, probably. Um, the Gospel of God. From Romans, you have your Bible with you, you may want to turn back to Romans 1, 18, uh, verse 18 and onwards. It's a very huge part there of Romans, really, huge chunk that we read today. We read it the second time um, that we've read it. Cleveland read it last week, we read it again this week, because I want to stay in this passage. Because last week we looked at the Word of God and we saw just how important the battle for your mind is. Your mind, the world is after control of your thinking and will, it will dictate to you what you should think. And we know that anyway. We know it dictates to what, what we buy. You know, we, we buy our Nike and our Adidas and we, and we buy different brands of food and clothes. Why? Because we're told that's what you should have. That's what you should wear. And so our mind are constantly being under the attack. Of, of, of our society being molded and shaped to what our society wants it to be molded to. We also learned last week that um, God, the Bible says in our reading, God gave them over to certain things. God allowed them to do certain things. And I, if some of you were here, I used the illustration of this can of Coke. And I shook this can of coat like this and, and, and asked someone to open it. And you know that if you open this can of Coke, you know that Coke would be everywhere. It would explode everywhere. The only thing that is stopping this can of Coke from exploding is the ring pull on this can. You see, if you pull the ring pull, then the Coke will be everywhere, all over you, all over me. And likewise, God is like that ring pull in man. Man in man is such depth of wickedness, such depth of filth and ungodliness. In man is such an evil heart. And God, by his grace, is that ring pull. God, by his grace, is keeping that at bay. But in Romans 1, it says, God gave them over. And he allowed all the filth that's in the heart of man to spill out into our society. And so we have this Bible reading here where it says, um, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain a knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They do what ought not to be done. It's very interesting. Everybody knows that there are things that ought to be done. We all know that. I mean, Kim is looking after her mom and, and she's cleaning her and feeding her and, and, and taking care of her needs. These things ought to be done. Now, if there are things that ought to be done, there must also be things that ought not to be done. The question must be asked is this. Who sets the standard? Who sets the standard of the things that ought to be done and the things that not ought to be done? Who set the standard for that? Now, a person who's not a Christian... 
A person who doesn't believe in the Bible, doesn't believe in God, he will look at every society around him and he will see in every single society, in every single area, there's things that ought to be done and the things that ought not to be done, whether they believe in God or not. I was watching um, the news and and on the news there was a a man who was pushing a baby in a pram. And as he was pushing the baby in a pram, he came across this very nice looking car. I think it was a Ferrari or or a Lamborghini or something really sparkly and shiny. And And he looked at it. And he looked left and he looked right. And he got his keys out of his pocket. And he went across and scraped all the side of the car. He was caught on camera because the car had a camera and he got scraped all on the side of the car. In every society, there's things that you ought not to do. It's wrong to kill your neighbour and to eat him. That's wrong, isn't it? It's wrong in any society, in any community, wherever you find it, it's wrong to take your baby and to throw him off the top of a cliff. It is wrong in every society. What makes it wrong? That's the question. What makes it wrong? Well, the Bible turns around and says this in Romans chapter 2, when we come to this. They, they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences, also bearing witness, and their thoughts, sometimes accusing them and other times even defending them. Something is written on our hearts. A moral law is written on your heart. You may not believe in God at all, but there's a moral law that is written on our hearts. Whether you like it or not, whether you accept the Bible or not, there's things that you know ought to be done. And the things that you know ought not to be done. Let me try to illustrate this again. Many people in our society will turn around and say things like um, abortion um, is wrong. Uh, Abortion is right, they will say. They will say that especially if a woman was raped or from incest, then that woman should be able to have an abortion. And they will say that, they will campaign for that. But if the woman could not afford an abortion and the baby was born and she took a pillow and smothered the baby until it died, even those who are for abortion will be appalled. They'll turn around and say, what is this? Why? Why have they changed from when the baby was in the womb to into the, when the baby's out the womb? Why have they changed? I'll tell you why. Because everyone has a, sta- a moral guideline that has been written upon our hearts. We can't get away from it. You may try to run, but you cannot get away from the fact that there's morality written upon our hearts. A Bible, a morality, a code. And the Bible says that this moral law is not written by the government. No, the government can't write that law upon your heart. They can write laws in in parliament and, and put them in books, but they cannot write a law in your heart. Only God can write 
his moral law upon your heart. Now, if you look at Romans chapter 1, we will see that it explains and speaks a lot about homosexual behavior and practice. It's quite interesting because um, many people who live and who support the LGBT um, line of thinking will turn around and say that it's all about love. And they will say it's all about love and it's love, love, love. And they will love you as long as you agree with them. It's all about love if you agree with them. But Jesus turns around and says, love your enemies. Love those who do not agree with you. Jesus speaks to you, Christian. And he says to you, you can't be like those who follow the LGBT network. You can't be like them who only love those who agree with them. You have to be different. You have to love those who even hate you. In fact, in Romans, we're looking at Romans, it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Again, in Romans, it will say, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Don't be like the homosexual society who only love those who agree with them, only accept those who accept them. No, you Christian, you need to love everybody because God loves all men. And I need to say that first. Wherever you find men and women, whatever sin you might find them in, the Bible calls the believers to love and to not hate, to bless and not curse. And so Paul looks at these, these, his society. And Paul is looking around his day. He's not looking around our day. He's looking at his day. And as he looks around, he's not just making or having his own opinion. He is actually looking at the morality of his day. People were doing the things that he said they were doing in Romans chapter 1. It's not his opinion. It's not a, a, you know, a, a, a little hobby horse that Paul wants to ride, ride. No, he's looking around and he's saying, this is my society. And he's giving us a historical account of it. And so what does he do? Three things that I want to point out that he says in Romans chapter 1. Three things. The first thing he looks at is exchanging exchanging look at the verse here it is because of this God gave them over to shameful lust even their women exchange natural sexual relationships relations for unnatural ones Paul first of all speaks of women not because women are more wicked than men that's not the case no but because he's following the line of the Bible, he's following the Old Testament, he's following Genesis. Who was the one who was approached by Satan in the beginning? It was the woman. 
And Paul, in his logical thinking, is following that pattern. And so because Eve was the one who was approached and sinned first, so he mentions Eve, or the woman first, in this line of, 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 of detail in Romans 1. And he says, the women. But he doesn't just say the women, he says this, even the women, even their women exchange natural relationships. It was as if he's shocked. It was as if he's surprised. It was as if he's bewildered that even the women, those women who are meant to be the carers of the weak, women who are meant to be carers of the vulnerable, women who, when they get pregnant, want to take care and and build a nest or build a home around for their children to be born into. Even their women, he says, exchange natural relationships. That is, a relationship with a man for unnatural ones, which means a relationship with another woman. It could even go further to a relationship even with animals. Bestiality, it's called, is illegal in this country. But even though it's illegal in this country, we still have women marrying their animals. 2005, a woman called Sharon Tedler, 41, got a bit of money behind her. She married her dolphin in her wedding dress. In 2009, a woman from Guyana, she married her dog. But she said that all the men that she went out with was unfaithful to her, but her dog was going to be faithful to her. But so that women won't be outdone, men are so stupid as well. A man in 1992, Mark Matthews, he married his pony. Picture of him kissing his pony and his pony kissing him. Marriage is the height of God's relationship. Marriage is something that God holds as beautiful. Why? Because it reflects his relationship with us. But what have men and women do with marriage? They have degraded it so much so that now that they will marry even animals. They have exchanged, the Bible says the women have exchanged a natural relationship with men and they exchanged it for unnatural relationships. Whatever that might be. And God gave them over to shameful lust. They become slaves. You know, people talk about being free. Having freedom. Having free love, being free to choose who I love, want to love. If I want to love this person, I'm free to love that person. If I want to do this, I'm free to do that. People speak about freedom, but actually what God says, I'm handing you over so that you can become slaves. Slaves to your sin, slaves to your passion. You are no longer free, but you have become slaves. But you know, even those who are slaves can be set free. Praise God. Thank you, sister. 
Amen. Even those who are slaves can be set free. And Jesus turned around and says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive and to release from darkness those who are in prison. That is the gospel of God. You want to be free but you become slaves. But God says you don't need to remain a slave. The spirit of the sovereign Lord, says Jesus, is upon me. So first of all, the women exchange natural relationship. Second thing Paul wants to um, bring your attention to is abandoning, abandoning. Here we have those verses. Let's read it together. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationship with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Paul now turns away from speaking about the women to the men and actually spends a longer time speaking about the men. The women only get a sentence. The men get two verses. Well, why? Again, in Genesis, Adam was meant to be in charge. Adam was meant to be the man who heads his family. And in the same way, the men are the men who are meant to be leaders. They're meant to have integrity. They're meant to have wisdom. They're meant to have love. They are meant to be the the ones who rule their families well. Men was the highest of God creation God created everything but man was the the height of his creation much was expected from him but Paul says look at where men have fallen look look at them look at women done these things but look at the man the man that was created by God the man who's meant to rule with integrity and wisdom look how he has fallen And Paul uses very strong words here. Look what he says. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust. Stonewall and the gay community will hide this fact from you. But it's not love that inflames the gay community. It is lust that inflames them. You go down to Whitechapel, you go down to, 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 to Tower Bridge, you go down to some of the gay clubs that is around the, around the areas and you will see men far more engaged with lust than love. Oh, they push forward Elton John. Look at Elton, he's a nice man. They push forward the late George Michael. Oh, look at him, he's a nice guy. But behind all of that image, I want to tell you, the homosexual community is inflamed, not with love, 
But as the word of God says, inflamed with lust. The Bible says the penalty that goes with their sin, men committed shameful acts with other men and receive in themselves the due penalty for their error. I don't know what a penalty is, but one thing I do know is that they do not have the blessing of God. But they have the curse of God. That is why, let me move away from my notes for a minute. That is why so much of the gay community want the church to accept them. They want the church. They don't mind. They've been accepted in the schools and they're accepted in our colleges and accepted in government and accepted on the TV and accepted in the media. But the church is not accepting them. So let's make sure the church accepts us. Let's get married in church. Let's have a church wedding. Let us have the church blessing. Why do they want the church to accept them? I'll tell you why. Because they know deep down God is against them. That's why. So if once the church falls in line, we all can relax and smile. Sadly, and I say it with great sadness in my heart, sadly, many churches have embraced the LGBT. And said, come in. We won't preach Romans chapter 1. You won't get that crazy black preacher in Golding's church talking about that. Don't worry, he's not here. Just come on in. Embrace the community. And that is the church. You ask me why the church is weak. You ask me why the church hasn't got a voice. I tell you why the church hasn't got a voice. It's sold out to the worldliness. That's in our society at the moment. That's why the church has not a voice. And these men say that they're free. Oh, I'm free to love this man. And I'm free to love that man. And I'm free to have a man in my bed as many times as I want. As many days in the week as I want. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. But God says you want your freedom. You are now. I'll hand you over to your freedom. And you will become a slave. But even slaves that are bound. Even slaves that are chained. Even slaves that are in prison can be set free. Praise be to God. Because Jesus Christ says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for those who are captives and to release from darkness. Those who are in prison. Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys are very quiet this morning. I'm telling you. Freedom. Freedom. Is a gospel. The gospel of God. And so we have the exchanging. And we have the abandoning. And thirdly. We have the forsaking. The third judgment of God is taken away. The third judgment of God is taking away all sense of what is right and what is wrong. Can you imagine living in a society 
where all sense of what is right and what is wrong is taken away. That is what God's judgment is. Taking away everything and taking away their sense of what is right and what is wrong. You see, when you open the doors to sexual immorality, when you open the floodgates of sexual perversion, everything goes bad. Not just some things. People turn around and say to you today, oh, we are so advancing. We are an advancing society. We've got a new iPhone 8. Have you got one yet? We are advancing and advancing. We are those who are, are, are getting more tolerant. We're accepting people more often. But people who speak like that fail to join the dots, fail to see the big picture. They fail to see that violent crimes are going up, especially violent crimes in a gay community. They don't want you to hear that. Going up. They fail to see the rise of modern day slavery. We never had slavery like what we have today. It seems, un- But people are being held as slaves and being abused sexually in slavery in England today. We have dysfunctional families And mental health has gone through the roof. You have children under 10 years old who want sex changes. You can't tell me there's something wrong in their mind when they're under 10 and they want to change their sex. Something is going wrong. We have children who are 10 years old, boys who want to dress up as girls and go to school. Something is wrong. And you don't realize that once you open the gates of immorality, once you open the gates of sexual perversion, then the flood, everything goes wrong. Society is in a mess. No politician can fix this. No government legislation can fix our society. It is in a mess. Look what Paul says our society is in. Here we go. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain a knowledge of God, so God gave them over to depraved mind, so they, did, so they do not, so they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity. No love. No mercy. I can hear someone saying, well, you know, pastor, I'm not sexually immoral. I'm not like these people out there in London 
in Whitechapel and Tower Bridge. I'm not like these people. No, 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 no. That's not me. It's not just about sex. God's word says, how about greed? God's turn around and say, how about envy? Are you an envious person? God's word turn around and said, well, how about a little deceit? You're like cheating and deceiving people. Have you got any cheats here? People who are like living deceptively? Are they in the congregation this morning? How about gossips? They tell you can get two a penny. Gossips. How about that? They're around, aren't they? People who like to, to gossip. And not only to gossip, but how about slandering and, and bringing someone's reputation, bringing somebody's name down into the dirt? How about slandering? How about a little bit of arrogant boasting? It's all here, you know. Let's pause for one moment and ask this question. Who do people hate? Now you will turn around and say, well, surely they must hate the devil. Because the devil is out there to ruin lives. The devil's out there to destroy lives. The devil wants to ruin men and women. Surely, if we're going to hate anyone, we have to hate the devil. Because the devil is wicked and horrible and wants to destroy communities and families. Surely, we must hate him. What does the Bible say? They're God-haters. What? You mean to tell me instead of hating the devil, people hate God? Yes. Why? Well, let me give you a brief illustration. This verse here says this. Although they know God's righteous decrees, decrees that those who do such things deserve death. The reason why they hate God. Let me give you an illustration. There was two men. I was reading about them on, um, on the internet last night. Two men. One of them was um, arrested for violent gang crime. Killed a number of people, very violent. Another man was arrested for raping a 14-year-old girl. And these men were brought up to the judge. And the judge sent them both down to prison. A life sentence for both men. I think the guy got less, but he went for prison for a long time. And as the judge turned around and said, take them down, the two men turned around and they began to curse the judge. They swore at him and cursed him to his face. But why? The judge didn't. They were the one who murdered. They were the one who raped. The judge did nothing wrong. All he did was give them the judgment and they were so angry that they cursed the judge before they were taken down into prison. And that is exactly what men do today. God is the one who says, I have a righteous decree that those who do these things deserve punishment. But instead of praising God and hating the devil, they curse him. Even though he did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. The Bible says about Jesus Christ, no vileness was found in him. He did nothing wrong. And yet men 
crucified him. And even in our society, even God, who does nothing wrong but causes sun to shine on the righteous and on the unrighteous, cause the rain to fall on the unrighteous farmer as well as the righteous farmer, blesses the good and the evil. God, who is gracious to all men, he still is hated by men and not the devil. These people, God gave them over. God gave these people, our society, you and me, God gave them over. There was a time when God had the ring pull on this can of Coke so that none of the Coke would fly out because the grace of God was upon it. But God removed his hand. And all the wickedness that is in the heart of man. All the wickedness that is in the heart of women. Has spilled out. Into our society. What a world we live in. What a society we live in. A society that is depraved. A society that is wicked. It's very dark out there. The sun might be shining today physically, but it's very dark in our society. Very wicked in every corner of our land. Wickedness, depravity and malice and sin is everywhere. Is there hope? That's the question. Is there hope? For our world? Is there hope for our society? Is there hope for your family? Is there hope for my family? Is there hope? Praise be to God. For Jesus Christ said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me. To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Those who've been abused by the things we've been talking about. Those who have been abused sexually. Those who have been abused mentally. Those who have been abused in so many ways. I have come, says the Lord, to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim to those who are slaves, wherever slavery you may be in this morning, to proclaim those who are slaves, to proclaim freedom. And for those who sit in darkness, I have come to release and to set them free. Praise be to God, there is hope. Even though our society is what it is, Even though Romans chapter 1, Paul writes it, says, it's very dark. I want to tell you this morning, in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is glorious hope. Man and our society are telling you one thing, you will leave here. If you hear that I have been arrested Sunday afternoon and I'm in the Loughton police cell, you know that somebody grasped me up and said... He was preaching against homosexuality. I'm preaching the word of God. And I will preach that even though the society may have changed. They may change their morality, but God's morality always stays the same. 
and the world will change. They will tell you different things, but don't listen to men. No, no, no. What is God saying? And if I'm trapped in sin, if I'm trapped in wickedness, I only need to look to Christ because he's promised to deliver me, to rescue me, to bring me out and to carry me. That is the message and the power of the gospel of God. Let's pray. Oh God. Oh God. My heart is broken, Lord, for our society, Lord. Father, we sit on a Sunday morning here, but we know, Lord, that Saturday night great wickedness were in our towns and in our places where we lived, Lord. Whether it's Loughton or whether it's Rumford, whether it's London, whether it's Manchester, wherever it may be, Lord, we know, oh God, that great darkness and great wickedness is in our society. Lord, we don't see it, Lord. They don't get reported in the news. But every now and again, Lord, it raises its ugly head and we see an abandoned child stamped to death by its parents. We see, Lord, every now and again, Lord, someone being murdered and killed and, 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 and dissected, oh God, in somebody's bathroom. Every now and again, Lord, we see wickedness being reported, Lord, but it's happening all the time. And God Almighty, our society is very, very dark and very, very wicked. And it will take, oh God, your spirit to break into that darkness. It will take, Lord, your power, the power of God to revive your church, Lord, to make the church come alive again, to give a touch to your people that they will no longer accept the standard of the world, but they will be hungering and thirsting after your standard. And they will want, Lord, to be refreshed. They will want to be revived. They will want, oh God, to be changed again, that the church will get on fire for you once again, oh God. And once the church becomes a light, then our society will catch the heat, catch the fire, oh God. And that you will bring it, break out in revival power. Oh God, you've done it before, you can do it again. Oh God, you have sent a revival before without preachers turning men from sin, turning men from wickedness, turning men, Lord God, from ungodliness and turning them to the cross of Jesus Christ. You've done it before and God, we need men to pray. We need women to cry out and to say, oh God, do it again, Lord. Do it again. Do it again, Father. Bring a revival. Send your spirit. Change, oh God, our society. Change our world, Lord, once more. Before Christ comes again, outpour your grace and your mercy in our day, Lord. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, is able to break every chain, to release the captives, and to show men and women, wherever they may be, how much you love them. Oh God, the gospel is about love. Outpour your love and your grace upon our society. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.